Sure, yeah. Um, my name is George. Uh, I use he, they pronouns. Um, I am uh, part Brazilian, part American. Um, my mom's family is from Brazil, and uh, I grew up, I, I spent a significant amount of time in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and uh, I also spent a lot of time in the Bay Area um, in California because my dad's family's um, my dad's from here um, and uh, anyways I was diagnosed um, with autism uh, originally Asperger's syndrome because this was back mm -hmm. in 2010 when I was 16 okay um, and I don't like using the term Asperger's anymore and I'm glad that it's changed yeah um, yeah but anyways that was my original diagnosis and um i haven't um i didn't have a lot of i feel like because i was i was still so young at the time um i didn't have a lot of um motivation to do a lot of research at the time yeah um and of course, if I had done, you know, the research that I would do, especially back then, would probably be mostly in the pathology paradigm, um, which is very harmful, like, mm -hmm. for us, I feel, um, as autistics. And I don't know, like, I, I had good therapists and, you know, I had access to information, but I think it was also like it took me a while to process um, that diagnosis um and just kind of like sit within and then you know kind of slowly start understanding it mm -hmm. um but then it was really out of uh it was just really this year um that i started really coming more in touch with um the neurodiversity paradigm um and really what that represents and really shifting my views like even my views of myself this is the just like because that's what i realize it's not just like everything i think about autism is also like about myself yeah uh, and and of course everyone else that's autistic but um you know i was uh realizing like there's so many like things like ways I would think of myself in a negative way like my traits mm -hmm. I would like special interests you know or you know things that some neurotypicals view as deficits yeah uh, I would start you know just because everyone around me was viewing them as deficits like I would view them as deficits um I would end up you know using functioning labels to describe myself even though it never really felt good yeah and I and why I didn't understand like person first language never felt good to me either mm -hmm. and I never understood like why um and uh and now I do and then so I just I came in in touch with all these things um it was kind of an interesting chain of events um I read this I came across this article just because I happened to Google like San Francisco autism 
society or whatever. I was just curious, like, and I didn't even realize that there was, like, a majorly ableist organization, which mm-hmm. is similar to Autism Speaks, which is the Autism Society. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And they, I thought, I thought I was just going to find, like, oh, maybe, like, a group of autistic people in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I end up coming across this article, which was by the SF branch, of this unfortunate organization um and it was just this super ableist one of the most ableist articles i've ever read um it was by this guy alexander mckinnis mm. who is an epidemiologist so he's just like not he's not it's not even that he's not autistic but he's like not even um you know qualified like he's yeah. not a psychologist or anything yeah um and he's talking about autism like he's literally comparing it to covid he's literally oh. like yeah he's like saying epidemic oh the numbers you know california's autism crisis oh my god um, yeah it's just really like really disturbing wow. um because he's just completely it's just completely like pathologizing it and it's just so like blatant ableism and then and then he think and then the comments you know there's like people agreeing mm-hmm. with him and oh what a great article um i'm like you gotta be kidding me and then i posted something mm-hmm. um i was like i really just kind of like trying to educate him and be like this isn't okay this is like you know this is very ableist like do you understand like you you know, you're going to offend a lot of autistic people. And I was trying to also figure out where he's coming from. Yeah. And um, he says, and then he proceeds to tell me that he has a son who is autistic and probably high support needs, um, maybe non-speaking. And he, so he said that, like, he went into epidemiology um, to... See, it's just like, it feels like mm-hmm. deep down, maybe this is a well-intentioned person, but he's just going the wrong way about it. Um, he's thinking of autism in a completely not helpful, pathologized way, where yeah. he's thinking, oh, I need to go into epidemiology now and write these ableist, you know, yeah. articles about this. Um, and he's, like, kind of, like, he never really apologizes. Yeah. And he's, like, oh, I, I, um, you should have more understanding. Um, he's basically automatically saying that I'm, like, high-functioning or whatever. Right, yeah. Like, if you're reading this, you obviously are high-functioning. Like, that kind of thing. Because yeah. <laughs> if I can write it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. I'm, like, okay, well... Um, I, yeah, it's like, I don't know, that made me really frustrated, and then, like, coincidentally, not long after that, um, I came across a a great article, um, by, about, which was more, you know, about the neurodiversity paradigm, Mm -hmm. um, it was by an autistic guy, of course, Mm -hmm. huge difference. Yeah, of course. Um, and... I just, you know, and then that's when I really started, like, um, discovering, like, learning about, like, why 
I never really liked person first language, like mm-hmm. why functioning labels are harmful and like all this stuff. Um, and and then um, it just kind of like at the same time I started my page mm-hmm. and I started following a bunch of accounts including you mm-hmm. and um, I just started like figuring out like oh my gosh there's like there's so much like relatable like stuff out there anyways I know I've been talking for quite a bit now so <laughs> I'll let you get back to the next uh, question. No, you're good. Um, I was I was just gonna say that, like, yeah, those pathology like articles and stuff is so harmful. And like, when I when I first started like learning about what autism is, that's all like the pathology like ableist language stuff was all I could find. And yeah as someone like trying to figure out what what is going on with me like why am i different why why do i do things differently than other people it's so like the amount of negative self talk that i have to like get over from those like ableist articles is like so much yeah it's um it's really and it's really sad that like that's mostly like what's out there yeah like it's easier to find that stuff than it is to find the more neurodiversity affirming um, websites and such. Exactly. Because uh, it affects people. Like, of course, like, if you go and, like, you're trying to discover yourself, like you said, and then you read that, it's, like, really, um, it puts you in a negative place. It's, like, really harmful. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, it's really unfortunate. Like, that's why, I don't know, I'm hopeful that, you know, like, I just started a a blog recently and trying to, like, expand my, um, platforms, because I was realizing that on Instagram, like, when I wanted to write a really long text, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to do it on Instagram. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then I decided, oh, I'll do a blog, and and it's been it's been going really well and um nice. i don't know i hope that you know more people will will be doing the same and you know like mm-hmm. it's just like the more the more of those cuz that's what we need like young autistic people that are like discovering themselves now to see yes like, we need that to be eventually like i'm hoping that's more discoverable on google mm-hmm. than than whatever like pathology stuff you see now right yeah it's so like it's so important like people like you and other people creating content and like you know sharing your experiences as autistic people like it's so important for people to have access to and it i know i wish if someone was googling like am i autistic right i want yeah i want the neurodiversity like paradigm stuff to come up first like that that's the goal <laughs> instead yeah. of like yeah. instead of autism speaks where it's like oh, oh <laughs> like you know all that stuff <laughs> yeah oh my goodness yeah autism speaks <laughs> yeah 
I just, it bothers me so much. Like, I, that's another thing that I just was kind of blind to. Like, I don't know. I had never, I guess I had heard of them before, Mm -hmm. but, like, I never realized, you know, I guess I always assumed that there was at least, like, some autistic involvement. Yeah. And, you know, I just never realized until I started, like, reading all this stuff, like, really digging into the um, social media and stuff this year, um, I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, that's what they really are. That's what they really do. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. And it, to, to think, like, that's, oh, my God, like, that they're still, like, at the top of right. Google. Yeah. I know, and it feels like their name is a little bit misleading, too, like Autism Speaks. I feel like when I first heard of them, I was like, oh, that means it's actual autistic people talking about their experiences and, like, sharing, like, resources. But no, it's not. It's an ableist way of saying, like, autistic people don't speak, so we're going to be their voice for them. And it's like, so, uh, I just hate, I hate that whole organization so much. (laughs) It really does. And it does. It's really harmful, like just their name alone, because it's like to a neurotypical person that just doesn't know. And that is probably like well-intentioned, they're going to see that name and that's where they're going to think, oh, autism, autistic people speaking. Yeah. And it's just like not at all. Yeah. It's just, it, they continue to per- perpetuate stereotypes of autism. And then when people like me or, you know, other people are like, hey, I think I'm autistic. People are like, no, you can't be because, you know, I know my nephew has autism and he like, oh he doesn't speak and he's like, he doesn't understand uh-huh. like anything. And it's like, what? what, what? <laughs> a spectrum yeah they think like one they have one very stereotypical stigmatized view yeah of what they think autism is supposed to look like Mm -hmm. and it's like you don't fit that you're not autistic right yeah and that that's why the neurodiversity like paradigm is like it is so important and needs to be like you know it needs to keep growing so that you know people don't look at their you know the way they act and think as things that need to be fixed right we need to look at our ourselves as like you know just yeah neurodivergent right yeah it's like it's like you know it's just like a different brand of chocolate or whatever Mm -hmm. It's, it's not like this foreign scary thing that needs to be fixed or what a tragedy right yeah i just wish that like you see sometimes i would say like i wish the people at autism speaks understood that but i think actually they do yeah but they just choose to ignore it yeah They, they just choose to ignore it and just profit off of you know ableism right yeah i mean i'm sure they've had enough people tell them right they've had enough autistic people tell them like this is wrong they know they know what they're doing but they're making money and you know the the whole eugenics thing as well like they think they're better than autistic people yeah 
and they're not they don't even like i mean they'll just outwardly say it i yeah. mean pretty much oh they have yeah yeah but yeah and the thing with like the pathology paradigm is like the functioning labels is like really harmful like low functioning high functioning you know but with neurodiversity i don't think like with the neurodiversity paradigm we're not getting rid of like that you know the fact that there are different forms of disability and stuff yeah. and like there's different support needs people need different yes. support needs but it's just the language that comes with that and the like the implication that like you know someone with more like complex disabilities like is not less than someone with less support needs right like exactly it's how you view it mm -hmm. you know it's like you know if you just view it as like okay what are these persons like support needs like how can i help them like what are their what's best for them it's also like individualizing like for each person rather than like just coming up with like oh these these are the neuronormative molds right that i need this individual to fit and oh my god if they don't fit these it's a tragedy and mm -hmm. oh my god it'll be too late like all this like right. unnecessary like paranoia and, and just like fear-mongering yeah. i don't know i know and it's so it's so weird to me because we like science doesn't honestly know that much about the brain right so it's so weird to me that for some reason society has adopted this like typical brain as like this is what people have to be and like but we don't know that much about the brain anyway and so like why why is it so quote-unquote bad that people have different brains or like or you know yeah, like exactly. people are neurodivergent and don't fit the mold like why why is there a mold when we don't even know how the brain works <laughs> yeah you know yeah uh, it's so stupid this whole i mean it's silly yeah um, this whole um concept of you know normal and, and like not normal or whatever yeah um and uh yeah there's something else um oh this i was just thinking because we were talking about support needs mm -hmm. and um i i i just i hear the term i still hear the term special needs way Ooh, too much yeah and that's another thing that I think, and it's like these, that's like another article that I'm planning on writing soon is on disability euphemisms mm -hmm. um, and just how they perpetuate the wrong ideas. And it's like, I get it. Like there's people, and that's the sad thing too. It's like, there's people that use um, these euphemisms, like special needs, like they think they're doing good. Yeah. Like. Mm -hmm. They think they're, like, using the right language or whatever, um, but they're not. They're really, like, not, because, like, you're perpetual. Like, why is it special? Right. Like, you know, why isn't it just the support needs? Why isn't it just, like, 
people are different. Like, stop implying that, like, disabled people are, like, you know, the needs of disabled people are special. Right, yeah. Like, no, they're needs. Everyone has needs. Right, yeah. Everyone has the same needs. It's just how, how how those needs are, like, go about being met is different for every single person, neurodivergent or not. So, yeah. you know, there's nothing special about about a need. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's silly, this whole, I don't know, this, like, special needs thing. It drives me crazy. Cause yeah. Like, yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, and, you know, I feel like when, you know, special needs, that term was probably, I mean, I don't know, like, all of the history about this, but... It was probably created in like as a step away from even like the more like harmful language like the r word or like you know stuff like that so like in its time special needs was a good phrase right but now like but now like we've come way farther in learning about what autism is and like other neurodiversities that like we need to even take a step further away from that type of language um but people yeah. people aren't aren't getting that i don't think they they're not thinking like every every few years we take another step forward they're just thinking oh well we did our best like time to end it there yeah they're not exactly they just think oh like yeah now we're good like you know they right realize they're like, well, at least I'm not saying the R word, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, so I can't be ableist if I don't. Right. Because I don't say the R word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the, the thing, like, with the neurodiversity paradigm, it's seeing people, like, neurodivergent people as marginalized people to be supported rather than like you know people with like diseases that need to be treated exactly and like that's kind of the same thing i think with like the lgbtq community right because like in the past gay people were seen as having a mental illness but and you know they were very like pathologized but now we see like society sees lgbtq people as marginalized people that you know and you know just need support and need like inclusion and that's i feel like that's kind of the same with neurodiversity yeah i felt the same way i was uh when i started you know delving into the whole neurodiversity paradigm i realized i'm like wait a second this is very, this just had, seems to be very similar to the, the mm-hmm. LGBT movement in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. And it's it basically is. It's like going from a pathology paradigm to a more acceptance and inclusion um, mm-hmm. paradigm, for yeah. sure. Definitely. And, you know, I've seen a lot of stuff like, autism and ADHD are definitely like neurodivergent but I've also seen a lot of people kind of start getting very contentious and like fighting a little bit about like what 
conditions or whatever actually can be labeled as neurodivergent because to be neurodivergent like under the paradigm means like you don't need to be treated right it like you don't need like yeah you don't need psychiatry to like fix quote-unquote fix yourself right but yeah things like depression or anxiety i i wonder like to me, those things do fit under the neurodiversity paradigm because it is a difference in how a brain is like functioning. But to some extent, treatment is sometimes necessary and like vital for a person's health. So I wonder like, do, do those things actually fall under neurodiversity or is it, or, or are those things, will those things stay in a more pathology-based kind of way it's tricky i've thought about that too it's um i think it's i think you know to me i feel like they should still be part of the neurodiversity umbrella Mm -hmm. but also like maybe with a note like um i mean because even with like adhd i feel like Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people that do feel impaired by their ADHD and do want to seek, um, like, medication or, like, treatment or whatnot. Yeah. Um, and so I think it could still be part of the umbrella, but maybe, like, with a note that, you know, it is something that treat... I mean, Mm -hmm. maybe treatment isn't even the right word. Maybe it's, like, mitigation, I don't know, um... Or just, I don't know, even, like... Yeah, because you're you're right. I don't think treatment's the right word. I think it's just maybe just support, right? Because, like, for me, I take meds for my depression and anxiety. It doesn't treat my anxiety. It doesn't make it go away. But it gives me an extra support so that I'm not struggling every single day with, like, debilitating anxiety. And, no, that's a, you know, that's a support need I have just, like, using... Um, like my noise canceling headphones for when I'm in a store, like that's also a support need. So it's not really like medicine for the most part, doesn't really treat things in like a mental health way, you know, it's more just a support. Yeah. I like support as a term Mm -hmm. for that. Yeah. So I think if like people started thinking about like meds as more just support needs rather than treatments i feel like then more things like depression anxiety and like other like mental health issues could fall very easily into the neurodivergent paradigm yeah yeah for sure it it, i think so too Mm -hmm. I have this I have this really cool article that I've been reading recently um by um well it's like kind of like an interview thing by um this guy Robert Chapman um he is neurodivergent and he's like they they focus on the philosophy of neurodiversity and he has some like really cool stuff about like philosophy of disability and like neurodiversity studies and and stuff i really like what he talks about cool yeah i'm gonna 
do you think um I'd love to look into that yeah yeah uh his name's Robert Chapman and like I don't know it's the article that I I've been reading is like the neurodiversity paradigm in psychiatry oh um, okay yeah but you know I feel like there there needs to be more stuff like this where it, you know it's actual autistic people in the field of like you know with um you know with phds and stuff that are able to like make differences in the way yeah. like medically people talk about this true it's um it surprises me like how many like autism researchers or like professionals or such are not autistic yeah it's like i feel like there should be so many like there's there should be way more yeah um researchers and such for sure yeah and i think you know there would be if people were given the support needs that they needed to you know go about the process of getting degrees and stuff but for the most part i mean a lot of universities don't give autistic people or neurodivergent people the type of support they need in order to succeed and like just society as a whole doesn't really care that's the problem yeah it's um yeah the system is just not built for um neurodivergent people to succeed Mm -hmm. um clearly because like even like i feel like even when when schools do like provide some supports it's really not complete and it's not i feel like it's from the pathology paradigm Mm -hmm. um rather than neurodiversity like it's there's just so little information like i don't know um right yeah there needs to be like more awareness to begin like um just with, uh, I mean, it, it, there should be like training, like by neurodivergent individuals, um, like to these schools or, you know, departments or like, like these disability departments, like all over the place, right? Yeah. They should have neurodivergent people running them or advising them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent agree. It's just crazy, like, because I never really thought about that before. Like, when I was going through mm-hmm. school and everything, I never realized, like, how weird that was, that mm-hmm. the disability departments were not run by disabled. Like, it's all neurotypical. Right, yeah. I know, I, n- yeah. I never really thought about it either until probably this year when I started really getting into the neurodiversity paradigm research. Um, like, you know, growing up, I didn't know I was neurodivergent. I just thought I was like quirky and different and stuff. But, um, you know, I still, because that's just what society told me, I just kind of bought into the pathology, like paradigm. And, you know, I didn't really realize that neurotypical people running disability resource centers or, you know, telling people, telling disabled people, like, what to do and stuff is just wrong. I didn't, I didn't see any, anything wrong with that until about this year, honestly. 
Yeah, I think for me too, like it's been recent, like this, it's come with this whole discovery, um, mm-hmm. you know, me tapping into this world of the neurodiversity paradigm that I've really come to think about that stuff and be like, wow, I mean, like, who's actually like running these departments? Who's actually, and then this actually, you know, because I'm also an actor, so mm-hmm. I. You know, I watch autism-related TV shows, uh-huh. and then now the first question I have, like, the first thing I think, did they cast an autistic actor? Yeah. And they, a lot of times they don't. It's only really nowadays that I feel it's finally starting to change. Like, mm-hmm. I think casting, um, casting is like actually. Uh, uh, considering like oh we should actually cast actually autistic people to right. play autistic roles um, but it's so crazy how like all these big autism shows like Atypical, The mm-hmm. Good Doctor um, you know like big ones like that that some of them actually do a pretty good job of representing the traits and stuff like Atypical I'm, I'm working on a review for that one I just rewatched it yeah and um like there's a lot of stuff that i really relate to um with the main character who actually has your name oh yeah (laughs) yeah i've seen it (laughs) and um you know i think they did do a solid amount of research like with the traits and stuff and they do do a good job of like educating there's like Mm-hmm. moments where they really show like what sensory overload feels like for him yeah and like you know it does help like educate like oh okay so this it helps neurotypicals understand like oh so i guess so this is what's going on when when you know they're in sensory overload like right. and um but then it's like i really think they did of course off the bat they missed the mark like they really should have okay i i like the actor like as an actor mm-hmm. i like him i think he does a good job like you know he did what he could do as a neurotypical actor in that role right um but it just would have been really nice mm-hmm. to see an autistic actor there right um yeah and it's like i guess and then i was like watching some other people review the show just to kind of get some different perspectives too yeah and um i i heard one person mention they actually did cast some autistic actors but like as supporting cast in like Mm. the last season i'm like that's not how you do it like and that's kind of worse in my opinion right it shows what well, well you could have done this before then. Right. You yeah. You could have made the unlike why. You could have made the main character. Right, yeah, that seems uh, worse. <laughs> it's worse. Yeah. So it's sad. I don't know, because it's like I feel like they did really try and they mm-hmm. did do a good job on a lot of stuff, but it's like it's still a very neurotypical perspective. It's like it is kind of a pathologized view. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's completely pathologized because, like, I've watched, uh, I actually watched an interview recently with Bridget Lundy Payne, who plays uh, Sam's sister, Casey. Uh-huh. 
and um, she, you know, I think, you know, she was talking about, um, or they, actually, it's, um, they, they were talking about, um, you know, inclusion, you know, Mm -hmm. at least for them as an actor, like, how it's been, you know, the, mm-hmm. the goal of the show, at least in the last couple of seasons, has been, like, towards showing, like, inclusion and stuff. So I know mm-hmm. that, like, that was their goal. Like, I believe, like, that right. especially, like, later, like, they were trying, because I even saw, like, they were actually consulting with some autistic people, like, because of some of the autistic people that were reviewing it. Mm-hmm. Um they said that Netflix actually wa- let them watch it before it came out. Mm. Um, so I think that's really good. Like, that shows, like, okay, I think they were um, really trying. Yeah. Um, and, but then there's still, like, these little things, you know, mm-hmm. that you, you pick out. Like, the first episode, um, his mom, Sam's mom, Elsa, is having mm-hmm. a conversation with his therapist. And... The therapist says something. She says that autistic people don't know how to date the right way, mm. and that was problematic to me. Yeah. That's like, why? Why is why? Why are you saying the neurotypical way is correct? Right. Um, yeah. Uh, so there's just like these little things, like the in Julia's office, the therapist. Mm. There's like a puzzle piece thing, and it's like the whole. That's something that they also missed the mark on, and it's like they should have known better. And I, yeah. I mean, they consulted with autistic people. I'm surprised. Like, I'm like, did did someone must have told them something right. about that? Because it's like every season, like it's four seasons. Like it just the last one was last year, mm-hmm. and um, every single season I see the darn puzzle piece, mm-hmm. and I'm like, mm-hmm. do you guys not? know better like do guys really i feel like they should know better by now especially if they're consulting with autistic people like they probably know and they're probably just like "Eh, it's it's little no one's gonna see it anyway it's too much work to get rid of it kind of thing yeah which is just which sucks it sucks it sucks because it's like it's just weird yeah yeah i Um. i honestly loved (laughs) the show like the first time i watched it i w- i i thought it was really good for the most part and you know i feel like they did a pretty good job of representing autism but also it felt very stereotypical as well like you know there were a lot of parts i've related to and i was like oh my god that that like hit a mark like that hit the mark <laughs> And then other parts were like, really? That was that was really stereotypical. Like, yeah. you know, there were parts where you could tell that they, like, actually talked with an autistic person about it. And then other parts that were like, they just assumed what, you know, exactly. based on stereotypes. <laughs> yeah, I definitely felt that a lot. Um, yeah, like, there's some other things I wrote down, like... There's um there's this weird there's something that quite bothered me because it was like it like during a parent support meeting, um they're like uh Doug, the dad, mm-hmm. um 
is like I think it's his first time attending or whatever because it usually it's the mom that goes. Yeah. And um, he, you know, talks about like he gives like a little speech, right, about like his relationship with Sam, and um, he uses identity first language. He mm-hmm. says, and I, I think this was like one of the first episodes, so. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't really sure where they were going to go. Like, I was just starting out, like, my analyzing. I'm like, oh, are they going to veer towards person first or identity Mm -hmm. first? Um, And then I see him use identity first language. Yeah. And I remember I got super excited. I was like, yes, yes, identity (laughs) first language. And then it just crumbled because right after the mom... Like, one of the other moms, right, um, in the group starts nagging him to use person-first language. And, and like, and then they, like, ostracize him or whatever because he actually, it's just insane because he actually used the language that is preferred by the majority of the autistic community. Uh So I'm like, why? Why? And then first, and then, because I thought for a moment, I was like, could this be a criticism? Could this be maybe them criticizing, um, like, these parent support groups mm-hmm. using the language that's not the one that we prefer? Yeah. But then I'm like, I don't know. I think they literally, I don't know what, that just bothered mm-hmm. me because I was like, what's the point of even, like, I was just like, right. I don't know. They missed the mark on that one. Yeah, to to me, I don't know. I don't I don't remember that scene, but you explaining it to me that sounds kind of like a criticism, but because I I used to work in schools and I worked in the like I worked in the special ed department. I don't like that term, but that's what it's called right now. And um you know, that's that's what it's like, honestly, because you know, when I would talk to people, I would use identity first language, be like, "Oh, my my student like you know the autistic student i have or whatever and they'd be like no 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 it's student with autism and you know like that kind of correction is just everywhere in schools and it's so annoying cuz they think that they're right and yeah, they think they're that awesome. they're like on this pedestal of like we use person first language because that's more inclusive because we no, don't we don't see their autism we just see the person and it's like are you <laughs> kidding me <laughs> problematic yes. oh my god that's like saying you don't see the sexuality right it's like saying you don't see it's like saying you don't see color like what <laughs> yeah what so you don't see me then you're right yeah <laughs> Ugh. oh my gosh yeah and you know back to like casting autistic people to play autistic characters i think that's so it's so important and i know like there's this new show heartbreak high that actually i haven't seen it yet but they cast an autistic person to play an autistic character which is really cool and i know so many people have really enjoyed that and i think that's just i feel like that should just be like normal right because you wouldn't cast a white person to play a colored person right that would be completely wrong and you know like you, you wouldn't cast uh, you shouldn't cast a neurotypical person play an autistic person. It's just the same thing, I think. I mean, yeah, different I ways, agree. but... It's crazy to me that society doesn't realize that, that people just don't, like, like, of course, like, 
like autistic people have been calling this out for a while now but like neurotypicals like even like you know well educated like i don't know like very you know um progressive neurotypicals Mm -hmm. um are like you know that are very you know aware of like you know oh yeah like a white person shouldn't play a a black person Mm -hmm. you know a straight person shouldn't play a gay person right yeah like they know this stuff but they don't even think twice about a neurotypical playing an autistic person right yeah because of the stereotypes that autistic people like can't do that like they they think like oh well an autistic person doesn't know how to act like oh oh, what (laughs) yeah it's just the stereotypes of like like you know the perpetuated like ideas that society has of what autistic people can and can't do and yeah yeah it just autistic people need to like i wish more and more i think they are more and more autistic people are sharing their voices and you know we're becoming a little more seen i think in some areas but there's definitely needs to be a lot of work in others yeah that's for sure yeah but it's good i mean i know there is there is a change like Mm -hmm. i feel like it's it's a slow change but yeah i do feel the shift which is good Yeah. yeah i'm starting to feel that too which is really good yeah do you have any um have you seen the good doctor i have not i've heard about it though um i've had a lot of i've had a lot of neurotypical people tell me it's really good but i haven't heard anything from like other autistic people it's um so i think it's i like you know i watched it and um i liked it because there are some like the main character sean um you see, it's like I relate to his traits, but it's kind of stereotypical. Stereotypical yeah. too. It's like okay, another white yep. cisgender male, like that's like the autistic person. And then it does bother me that um, they make him a savant because, mm-hmm. like, I understand. Like, okay, there there's one angle that's like it's good to show that autistic people can be very smart, but you don't want neurotypicals thinking that all autistic people are like that. Right, yeah. Um, Yeah, so I don't know, like that's something that bothered me, but um, I mean, in general, it was kind of similar with atypical. It was like good good representation with some Mm -hmm. stuff, good research. Yeah. you know, like, relatable character for me, but they did overplay his traits, and okay, Mm -hmm. they casted a neurotypical actor, Yeah, of course, right? So, I mean, and that's what, like, I feel like if they had more autistic people involved, like, as actors or as producers or writers or whatnot, Mm -hmm. um, there would be, there would be less, like, mistakes and stuff like you said you know with atypical like where you know that like okay mm-hmm. this is like stereotypical right stuff. yeah um but i don't know like i i did enjoy it like i 
I would watch the next season because it's coming out soon, but um, I don't know. It's not something that, like, probably not something I would really recommend to neurotypicals because um, I don't want that to be their view of autism. Right, yeah, definitely. Uh, I can't hear you. Oh, um, any other, um, shows that you, autism-like related shows that you've seen recently? Um, no, not really. Um, I, the one I've only seen pretty much is, is atypical. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the main ones that I've seen are, um, atypical and then the good doctor and then oh there's another one that you know i was actually looking forward to when it came out um because it um had a actually autistic cast oh and uh, i was really excited for that Mm -hmm. and i was like oh my god okay so this is probably going to be very good and it's called as we see it on um, it was on Amazon Prime, I think, oh, maybe. Okay. And um, and then I go and I watch it, and I'm, like, very disappointed because the writing is just in such a way mm-hmm. that the autistic characters are, like, portrayed as burdens mm. to their families. And yeah. it's, like, it's so frustrating because it's, like, it's really the wrong message. It's kind of like an autism speaks kind of vibe. Right, yeah. And I was just very surprised and disappointed because I was like, wow, I really expected, like, um, I expected better for, like, something that with an autistic cast and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was a bit of a letdown. Um, but then there was another one that was very good that I saw on Hulu. It's called Everything is Gonna Be Okay. Mm. Um, And it's by, it was created and it stars an autistic guy, uh, autistic actor and writer. Um, And that one was very good. Um, His, basically, it's, uh, his sister is autistic uh, and she's also played by an autistic actress. Mm -hmm. But then what's really cool is like, so it's like basically about their family dynamics and everything, and it's two seasons long. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the second season, um, he finds out that he's autistic too. And it's like, you see his traits. That's just so cool too, because it's like, yeah, that's what can happen. Yeah. It's like, he was like, because you see his traits. It's so cool because it's like during like, first season and then even in the second all the way building up to the end of the show you see these these things and 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 you're like so i know his sister is autistic but like this character seems very autistic too mm-hmm. um and then sure enough he finds out he's autistic at the very end of the show that's um, so cool that's so yeah. like that's so relatable too yep yeah, it was super relatable for me, like, mm-hmm. you know, as a late-diagnosed 
autistic like yep i mean that and that's what people need to see like that made me happy like that's a big show i don't know if hulu's like i think hulu could be promoting it more yeah but like for that to be on the major platform and have a lot of neurotypicals watching that i think that's good because that was probably one of the best representations that i've seen Mm -hmm. um and then of course so there's the love on the spectrum show oh i've seen that yeah yeah um i liked it because it is of course actually autistic people and i think it does have a good um uh educational value for neurotypicals Mm -hmm. um and uh but there there i don't like how they edited it um they were like the way they edited it they make it like they make the interactions more awkward than they need to be right yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's like why why do you want to like that was disappointing because it's like why do you want to like play up their their traits why do you want to like it just leads to more stigmatization right yeah because it it felt like some of the interactions felt like you know it would have been just like pretty like average like at least for me this seemed like a, a good interaction like fine but then like the way they edit it you know they like cut or they like add long pauses that weren't there and then like you know it's just like makes it seem like like it just plays yeah. up their traits so much that neurotypical people watching are like oh this is cringy you know kind of thing like exactly <laughs> and you don't it doesn't need to be it's no. like that's just like yeah because i don't know like it's a bummer because i really like you know how it shows like it shows a lot of good things about like autistic people but it's also like the editing is just they they ruin that in a way and you know for sure they chose you know the the cast as you know they chose the people that had the most like traits that they thought were you know the most autistic kind of thing like the yeah, most stereotypical exactly. like you know yeah. you know for sure there were so many people that auditioned for that or wanted to be on the show that just didn't make the cut because they didn't seem like they weren't stereotype like stereotypical exactly. which didn't fit the stereotype yeah. yeah 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 so i've seen one episode of the the heartbreak high mm-hmm. uh, i really liked it i saw Actually, I think I saw the first two episodes because in the second episode, there's a really good scene that you might have seen circulating uh, on the platforms Mm -hmm. on social media, but where uh, the autistic character, Queenie, calls out her date Mm -hmm. on her ableism because her date is all like giving her a hard time because Quinny was in sen- sensory overload um, yeah. when she was at this restaurant. And um, she had to, like, go to the bathroom, and then she comes back, and then her date, like, confronts her and starts accusing her of not caring mm-hmm. or whatever. And then she's, like, trying to say, no, I care about you. I want to, like, listen to you. I'm just, like, really overwhelmed by yeah. the environment. Um, and then... Um, she's just like her date just keeps like hammering her and then she's like i'm autistic okay Mm -hmm. and then she's and then her date like throws out a microaggression 
mm-hmm. like oh but you don't look autistic or i know autistic people or whatever like a classic microaggression yeah yeah and then and then it's just like she's like okay see ya and then she leaves and then like she starts leaving and then and then she is like okay clearly i need to do more research you know which i'm like it's a little dreamy like it's not if a neurotypical is making that microaggression and has those assumptions i think it's a little dreamy that like one minute later they're Mm -hmm. gonna like oh yes i will do more research right yeah Um, (laughs) but but i was i was really powerful like it was definitely Mm -hmm. a powerful scene to watch as an autistic person it was like wow Mm -hmm. this is it like this is it this is really the representation Mm -hmm. that we need also because i like how the quinny character is um not um it's like not they don't make the show about her you know they don't they don't like oh my god, like, this person is autistic and, and you know, we're just gonna focus on them and, oh my god, they're autistic. And right, yeah. this is more like, no, like, this person is autistic and they, you know... Like, they're just another character. They're just another character, yeah. yeah. That's really and cool. They happen, yeah. And, but they're still doing a good job of, like, with these scenes, like, with her educating the her date, like, of of educating about autism but at the same time not obsessing on the fact that she's autistic and then you know yeah yeah that's really cool i'll have to watch that definitely I definitely recommend it yeah yeah